here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. Amen. So if you weren't here on Friday, uh, I believe it was a special service. Um, feedback was uh, really good and um, we had lots of fun explaining the fullness and the completion, the fulfillment of Passover and uh, looking into some of the Jewish traditions and then what Jesus did on the cross. But we are now celebrating resurrection power today. Like that song we sang, I've got resurrection power living on the inside and that's so awesome. And uh, if you need a scripture reference for that song, Romans 8 and verse 10 and 11 says that the same spirit who rose Christ from the dead now lives in, in the pastor up front. Yes, that too, but in you, in me. You must, say, you, must, you, must, you must personalize the word for yourself. You must say, the same spirit who rose Christ from the dead now lives in me. Uncle Charles, he lives in you. Gary, he lives in you. If you are born again, that spirit lives in you. And on Friday, we had these uh, much more life t-shirts, and that's the theme for the whole weekend. Um, because we are living in the much more life. We are living the much more life. And guess what? It's not about things. Ah, It's better than things. It is the Spirit of God. It is the fullness of the revelation. It is the gospel now poured out. The gospel fulfilled. The Spirit now alive in all of us. And today I am get the privilege of, uh, of preaching one of my favorite sections of the Word. And um, as a pastor you shouldn't say that because... Next week, I'm going to use something else. I'm going to say, this is my favorite section of the Word, amen? <laughs> because I'm just in love with the Bible. I'm in love with the message. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm just so glad to be able to share it. Just very quickly on resources. These are fresh off the press. And it's called Unfolding. And in these teachings, we're revealing Jesus in the Old Testament. We are revealing Jesus in Moses and in the prophets. And uh, these are quite interesting teachings. So uh, if you wanted to get some, I think there's about three or, or four of them in Afrikaans and English, and you can get them outside. Um, so if you, if, if you don't like the Old Testament, get these teachings, and you'll love the Old Testament. Uh, the Old Testament will be so interesting to you. But we're looking at Romans. We're looking at Romans today. And Romans 4, we're going um, to basically not go line by line, but we're going we're to camp a little bit in Romans this morning. So if you know us, we jump around the Bible. We teach from Genesis to Revelation and a lot of things in between most Sundays. Today we're going to look at Romans 4. Romans 5, and I'm uh, prophesying that we're probably going to maybe get to Romans 6. But let's see. So Romans 4 says, He staggered not, in verse 20, speaking about Abraham, at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded. Say, fully persuaded. Are you fully persuaded that Christ is alive? Are you fully persuaded that the Spirit's been poured out? Are you fully persuaded that the same Spirit who rose Christ from the dead now lives in you? Because if you are, or if you were, you would, your, your life would show it. People would know it. Are you fully persuaded? That's the question we're asking this morning. I'm being fully persuaded that what He had promised, He was able to perform. Now we read Abraham, and we think Abraham is about Isaac. But Galatians 3 and verse 16 says it's not about the seeds, plural, it is the seed, singular, that was promised to Abraham, which is the Christ. So the promise to Abraham was Christ. And that's why the, 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 um, the angel or God said to Abraham, in you, 
some nations of the world, one nation of the world, all nations of the world will be blessed. Why? Because Jesus didn't come for the Jews, he came as a Jew. Yes, he came for the Jews, but not just them. He came for all nations. And that's why through the seed of Abraham, that promise is now fulfilled. And he was able to perform what he has promised. And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. Okay, so it says it was written. So that's the Old Testament. Where was it written? It was written in Genesis. It says it wasn't written for Abraham. Who was it written for? But for, for us also. So it was written in Genesis, not for Abraham, but for us. What was written? That by faith you can obtain righteousness, not by works. That what God promises, God will fulfill. It says, not for him only, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed. For if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered for our offenses, and listen to this, who was raised again for our justification. Amen. Ever heard the good news? You've just heard the good news. Amen. Someone sent me a video clip, or they posted it on, on, on some group, of a, a little girl, baby, that they were listening in online on Friday. And uh, the comment was, hearing the good news for the first time. I'm like, she's so blessed. She can't even talk yet, and she's heard the good news. I mean, let's keep on sharing the good news. I was, uh, yeah, let's say only later when I heard the good news. But anyways, this is the good news. Jesus is raised, but we have risen with him. So um, we can say when Christ is risen, then you reply, he's risen indeed. But what you can also say is Christ is risen, or he is risen, and then you can say, and I am risen with isn't that great? Because he died, yes, for our offenses, but he was raised for our justification. Now, the word justification, it's different to the word righteousness. It means acquittal. But it's an interesting word. When you read justification, that word, the Greek word, only comes twice in the New Testament. They only use that word twice. And it means, actually, it is acquittal for someone else's sake. So someone did something... And because of that, someone else is acquitted. So that word is so rare that it's only used twice in the good news. So outside of the good news, I don't even know when, when you will use it. But it is only used twice, and it means it is justified. The, the Thayer's definition says, The act of God declaring men free from guilt and acceptable to Him. Jesus died. What a sacrifice. But we don't live at the foot of the cross. Neither do we live at the tomb door. Or at the rock. No, we live on the other side of the cross. We live on the much more side. We live seated in heavenly places. But we are seated not in ourselves. We are seated in Christ. We are not seated in baby Jesus. We are seated in resurrected Christ. Amen? If you want to know the picture of Jesus, do not confuse yourself with the chosen. The chosen is awesome. But that's not the Christ we identify with. We identify with the resurrected Christ, the one in Revelation. Because when you read Revelation, John says, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Nothing else. You can get confused with dragons and gedirtes and gedoentes. And, and that's then you miss it. Because it is about Christ. It is about the risen Christ. It is about His church, His bride. It is Him in us and through us. Thayer goes on and he says, abjuring to be righteous, justified, the word justification. 
Now listen, one of the things that I've really, that have helped me, I'm giving you a tip here on Bible study, okay? So my job is to equip you, remember? Not just to entertain you. Not to entertain you at all, please. I'm equipping you. So what you do is when you read the Bible, don't start in verse 1 and end in the last verse of a chapter. Just reverse a little bit and get yourself, get the run up. Amen? It's like bowling in cricket. You can't just stand and deliver. You need to run up. So what we've just done is we've run up to Romans 5. So we use a bit of Romans 4. Now Romans 4 ends with, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Therefore, you see verse 5, Romans 5 is 1. Starts with therefore. So you need to know what, what is the therefore. It is therefore referring to Christ who died for our offenses. But praise God, that is not the message. That's not all there is to the good news. Thank you Jesus for paying. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for dying on a cross. But thank you for being risen. Thank you for being resurrected. Thank you for being ascended. Thank you for being poured out. In spiritual form on Pentecost. Now, we, we like Christmas. Amen? It's gifts. Come on. It's cake. It's, it's food. It's family. It's holiday. But if you agree with me, Jesus didn't come for Christmas. So we like Easter. Yes, and there's Easter bunnies and Easter eggs. And, but that's not why we like Easter. We like Easter because we celebrate victory. But you know what the biggest date on the Christian calendar should be? I'm going to say every day, just because we live after the poured out. We live after the cross. We live after the resurrection. We live after the ascension. Ascension used to be a, a public holiday. That's not the biggest date. The biggest date is Pentecost. And we celebrate Easter because Easter ushers in Pentecost. Easter enables the outpouring of the Spirit. Because after the cross and after the resurrection, Jesus said, all power, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given back. So he's taken it back. He's fulfilled the prophets. He's fulfilled the law. And now he's going to pour out the promise. Fifty days after the cross, after Passover, there's a feast. It's called the Feast of the Harvest. We call it Pentecost. Because that is why Christ came. Galatians 3.13 says, We are no longer cursed because the word says, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. But we don't stop there. We read on and verse 14 says, So that the promise to Abraham could be fulfilled, which is the outpouring of Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Praise God for the resurrection. Because all of that enabled Him now living in us, Him living through us, it enabled, it ushered in the much more side of life. So in this church, we celebrate Easter, we celebrate Passover, we celebrate Christmas because we celebrate Jesus. And we don't do it two weeks in a year, we do it every day. So, listen to this, Romans 5 and verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The word there says, you have been declared innocent. That's peace. It's not peace because there's a, um, a Wappenstillstand or a Skidstillstand. It is peace because you're innocent. There's no reason for fighting. That's it. There's no reason for punishment. So even if God went looking for punishment, He could not find any because with the blood of Christ you've been cleansed. You are now 
righteous. You see, if God had to find fault with you, in fact, He is finding fault with Himself. Because 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says, You have now become the righteousness of God in and through Christ Jesus. So if God finds fault in you, it means His righteousness is inadequate because you are now on the same standard righteous as Him. You're not, you're not God, please. I'm not saying that. We worship God. But we're made in His image. We are made in His likeness. We've got His Spirit. And Romans 8 again says, The same Spirit that rose Christ from the death now lives where? In heaven. And we need to call it down. And we want fire. No, it lives in you. It's been poured out. God has nothing more to give. Not because He's stingy. Because He is abundantly generous. And He's given it all. You have been declared innocent. The Passion says, Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us. And He now declares us flawless in His eyes. This means we can now enjoy the true and lasting peace with God. All because of what our Lord Jesus, the Anointed, has done for us. Verse 2. Our faith guarantees us permanent access into this marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. He says, what incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope and experiencing God's glory. It is finished. What I shared on Friday is pivotal because if you believe what Jesus said is finished, it was all that He was going to do, then you're missing out. What was finished on the cross was Passover. It was the fulfillment of Passover. And Julius will edit the teaching and we'll put it online and you can listen to it. But Jesus, God wasn't done when Jesus blew out His last. Because the resurrection wasn't done. The ascension wasn't done. The Spirit wasn't poured out yet. So it's not all. It is opening the way. It is paying the price. It is the deal with your offenses. And that's Passover. It's passing over your sin. But that is not where the Israelites stopped, did they? They went out and they went into the promised land. Yes, they took some detours because they weren't spiritual beings. But they were human. But God didn't promise them protection only from the angel of death, did He? That was only opening the door to enter into the fullness of the promise. So when we stop at the cross, we miss out on the much more side of life. I love Jesus. I love the cross. There's teachings outside. We preached on the cross three or four weeks in a row. You can get it. I'm not belittling the cross, but I'm saying if we're camping on Good Friday, we are not living the much more life. If we're living on Resurrection Sunday, we're not even living in the fullness of what God has promised. We need to live in the Pentecost. We need to live in the fulfillment, the poured out spirit, and we live from that place. And Easter, obviously Jesus had to come. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Jesus had to die. That's why we celebrate Good Friday. Jesus had to be resurrected. That's why we celebrate Resurrection Sunday. But He ascended and the Spirit was poured out. And we are righteous. Think about that. The world doesn't know. And we're not there to keep a secret, are we? We are called to share with them that they have been declared innocent. Think about the hurting and broken world. Hurt people hurt people, don't they? They need the good news. Vladimir Putin needs to be saved. That's the only way. That will change the world. They'll probably shoot him. 
if he gets saved. That's how broken the world is. But at least we'll, we'll celebrate eternity with him. We don't pray for peace. We pray for the Prince of Peace to enter into the hearts of men. And how does it happen? Through the good news. And that's what we're sharing here this morning. Romans 5 and verse 6. For when the time was right. Oh, the time was right, wasn't it? The anointed one came and died to demonstrate his love for sinners who were entirely helpless, weak, and powerless to save themselves. They were weak. They were powerless. We were weak. We were powerless. We were helpless. I believe the King James says we were impotent. We were without strength. That's the word impotent. Meaning we cannot multiply. Why? Because we didn't have the gospel. And in Genesis, God says, go and multiply. Go and subdue the earth. But we were stuck in sin, so we couldn't even fulfill the original intent of why we were here. We were without strength. We were impotent. We were weak. But we are no longer weak. We have risen with Christ, and He is now in us and through us. Listen to this, verse 9. Much more than. This is why I love Romans 5. Many times there is the word much more. So he's doing a few things. He says, much more then, now that you've been justified, how? By his resurrection, but by the ascension, we look in Romans 4, or not by the ascension, by the, the raising from the dead, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Now, a lot of translations put God's wrath in there. And I don't entirely agree with it. Because the wrath of God is done. Jesus took the cup. He took the sour wine. He said it is now finished. But I'm not going to camp there this morning. Let's look at verse 9 from the Passion. It says, And there is still much more to say of His unfailing love for us. For through the blood of Jesus, He have heard the powerful declaration, You are now righteous in my sight. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you will never experience the wrath. So if we will still enemies, God fully reconciled us to Himself, through the death of his son, then something greater than friendship is ours this day. Jesus said to his disciples, I no longer call you slaves, I call you friends. Now, because of the Spirit poured out, we have ascended to a higher reality. We are not just friends with Jesus, but Romans 8 says we are now family. We have an older brother. Who is the Christ? One of the, the verses speaks about the church of the firstborn. And we think it's the church of Christ. And then you read the Afrikaans. And the Afrikaans says, Die kerk van die eerste geborenis. I was like, wow, that's interesting. That's plural. I thought Christ is the firstborn. Yes, He is. But you are in Him. So when you enter into Him, it's not just the church of Christ. It's the church of Christ and His bride and His body. It is the grouping together of people with the same spirit, because the same spirit who rose who from the dead, Christ from the dead, now lives where? Lives in you. And you are now the righteousness of God. How? Because of Jesus. So we are the church of the eersgeborenes. You are a firstborn. You're no longer a friend. You are family. You are part of. You belong. This is the much more life. The rest of Romans 5 we'll look at. But it speaks about the first Adam. And the first Adam, what did happen? Jesus, no, God came and He walked with them in the cool of the day. A certain time of the day, God visited with Adam and Eve. 
we live much more. Because Christ has now come and the Spirit's been poured out. And God lives in us every moment of the day. He doesn't visit. He abides. He resides. God never wanted to live in a temple. That's the one thing David didn't get. God was like, I don't want a temple. And David says, I'll build you a temple. I, said, I don't want a temple. No, God, you want a temple. I don't want a temple. I want to live in the hearts of people. No, you want a temple. Okay, Solomon built the temple. But build it according to what is in heaven. The replica of the truth. And you know what? In AD 70, the temple was burned down. And it's never been resurrected. God has not sent another Nehemiah. Why? Because he's found his resting place. He found you. He lives in the believer. Much more. Much more. The much more life. Isn't it amazing? Verse 11. And even more than that. He no longer calls us friends. But even more than that. We overflow with triumphant joy in our new relationship of living in harmony with God all because of Jesus. Oh, isn't it good to live in harmony? When you have strife, it's not comfortable. It's not somewhere you want to be, but now there's harmony. There's peace. Now it says in Romans 5 verse 14, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the multitude or the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. What is a figure? It's like a shadow. When you see me, my shadow come across the cor- around the corner, then you, you, you know what? Someone, you know in the movies, the scary movies, you hear that, doom, 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 and then you see the shadow. And now you know there's someone coming. You're in trouble. You have to do something. You have to get out of that room or out of the house. You need to run around the corner. You need to jump off a building. Don't do that. That only works in the movies. But you know someone is coming. So that says here, Adam was a figure of someone who was to come. Adam was the shadow. But Hebrews 11 and 1 says, now we have the substance of faith. What was hoped for, what was unseen, has now manifested Jesus is faith. Jesus has come. So it says, Yet death reigned as king from Adam to Moses, even though they hadn't broken a commandment the way Adam had. The first man, Adam, was a picture of the Messiah who was to come. Verse 15 says, Now there is no comparison between Adam's transgression and the gracious gift that we experience. Woo! Much more than Adam messed up. We have attained much more than what was lost, much more than what was broken has been given back. The much more life. We are not in the garden of Eden. We are seated in heaven. In Him, we live, we move, we have our being. Not in the garden. Much more than what Adam and Eve gave up. We have attained much more. I know there's some accountants in the room. If you do the math and you try and balance the books on the one side, it's much more than the other side. Things get interesting, don't they? (laughs) This is on the good way. This is not when you're looking for money. This is when there's too much money. Amen? Much more 
Now all the accountants are like, you don't understand accounting. It's never a good thing when it doesn't balance. <laughs> That's me. <my, laughs> I had a little bit of accounting. It doesn't add up. But then you add Jesus. And now you know why there is surplus. Now you know why there is much more. Because we are living on the other side of the resurrection. We are living with Him in us and through us. He is our life. It says, Now there is no comparison between Adam's transgression and the gracious gift that we experience. For the magnitude of the gift, the gift sorry, far outweighs the crime. It is true that many died because of one man's transgression, but how much greater will God's grace and His gracious gift of acceptance overflow to many because of what one man, Jesus the Messiah, did for us. You know, if you're a, if, if you're a, um, if you're a man, then you blame Eve. No? Because like Adam, like God said, Adam, why did you eat? Like, and she gave me. Was it? It wasn't me. She gave me. And then they said, hey, Eve, why did you? Why? And, and she said, it's a snake. Yeah? If you understand Romans 5, you'll never again speak about that. Because it's not about what was lost. Because it is not comparable to what was gained through Christ. We don't blame Adam and Eve. I don't believe we'll see them in heaven, but that's a different thing. That's a different teaching. We don't blame them. But because they have so much more. It is not worthy to be compared. We are not restored to Eden. We've been transformed to the image of Christ. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead. You see, that is, that, that's, that's what we celebrate on Resurrection Sunday, the resurrection. But that verse goes further and it says, Now lives in you. Not just do we celebrate the victory. Not just do we celebrate forgiveness. Not just do we celebrate righteousness. Not just do we celebrate justification. But justification has a resultant thing that comes. And it says, because of this justification, you now have full rights. That's what it says. To the life of God. Zoe. Abundance. Spirit. John 10 speaks about the abundant life. It's the Zoe life. And then the, the word says that the Spirit is life. The Spirit is Zoe. The Spirit is the abundant life. See, the much more side, it's not about things, it's about God Himself. Romans 5.16, And this free-flowing gift imparts to us so much more than what was given to us through the one who sinned. For because of one transgression, we are all facing a death sentence with a verdict of guilty, but this gracious gift leaves us free from our many failures and brings us into the perfect righteousness of God, acquitted with the words, listen to this, this is spoken over you this morning, not guilty. Not 
guilty. But Peter, you don't know what I've done. I don't care. Because it's not about what you have done. It's about what Christ has done. It's never about what you've done. You don't know what's in my past. You don't know what so-and-so did to me. Don't be like Adam and be like Eve and you're just going to end off with the snake. It's not about what you've done. It's about what Christ has done. It's about the much more side of things, the life which we now live. Listen to this. I'm giving it to you in King James, so you can't even disagree with me. Romans 5 and verse 17 says, So if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more. See, there is again, much more. Much more they which receive, what? The abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life. So we don't just get saved for heaven. Philippians 2 verse 12 and 13 says we need to live in a way that gives meaning to our salvation. God didn't just instill us and fill us with this amazing power so we can be like um, Spider-Man and hide in a closet. No, He's given you this amazing life, this message, because it's the power of God unto salvation. And there's many people who still need to be saved, meaning there's many people who still need to hear about this gospel. We are the carriers of God, yes, but we deliver God in the form of a message. I've been lyrical about this message the last few weeks again. I've just been reminded the simplicity of the gospel is the power of God. And that's why we all get to partake. We all get to do it. We all get to share. We, we all get invited. You don't need to be a rabbi. You don't need to be a priest. You don't even need to be a pastor. Because the pastor's job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And what is the work of the ministry? It's our Father's business. What is our Father's business? He's one not willing that any should perish, but that all come to salvation and to the knowledge of the truth. Evangelism, reaching out, and discipling. This church is built on three pillars. Yes, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, but I'm not speaking about those. We reach out, we evangelize, we disciple the found, and then we build community. And we don't build community for community's sake, because that's cancerous. We build community that is on mission. We reach out as family. We do this together. Now listen to this, verse uh, 18. Therefore, what is therefore? Verse 17. The abundance of grace. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto the justification of life. The second time and the only other time that that word justification is in the Bible. The justification of life means, this is, this, this is the acquittal, this is for Christ's sake. This means because of Christ, you have full rights. To what? To Zoe. You see, we stop and we have full rights to forgiveness and then in and out of forgiveness like a yo-yo. Now you are past forgiveness, long gone. If your purpose as a Christian is to beat sin, you are living way below what God has for you. I have to say that again, I think. If the purpose of a Christian is to live without sin or to beat temptation... You are not living for the fullness of why Christ has come. 
Forgiveness is done. Sin is dealt with. Step into the much more life. We don't live at the cross because no one, Jesus isn't there. Think about it. I saw this meme like, why do you worship crosses? I didn't like them. Jesus spoke. We don't worship the cross. We don't sit at an open grave because Jesus is not there. We don't sit on the beach where Peter is restored because Jesus is not there. We don't live in the day of ascension because Jesus is not there. We live. We are seated where Jesus is. Ephesians 2 and verse 6 says you are seated in Christ. Where? In heavenly places. Do you think sin is an issue in heaven? It can't be. You see why you're not living to beat sin. The victory is already yours. I'm not saying you're not struggling with things. I'm saying what I'm giving you today will enable you, will equip you to look past your failures, worship the risen Christ, be empowered through His Spirit, and sin will no longer be an issue in your life. Ask me. I've, I've gotten through some things. I wasn't born this holy. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I knew how to polish the grave, if you know what I mean. Huh? Pharisees, you white polished graves. I knew how to look, make the outside look nice, but inside it was full of dead men's bones. The thing is, you can polish the grave, but you can't hide the stench. Now the word says, you are a sweet-smelling The first impression of Jesus, not the ascended Christ, but the resurrected Christ, is what? A gardener. She thought he was a gardener. Why? Maybe he was gardening. Have you thought of that? That is prophetic. Because Adam is placed into the garden of Eden to tend and to keep. Now the second Adam, according to Romans 5, is died, is risen, is not yet ascended, but he shows us that that is what is restored. He is in a grave. The grave was in a garden. Rich man's grave. Which usually means a nice garden, doesn't it? So he is risen and he steps out of that cave and he's in a garden. And he restores, in that sense, what Adam lost. But he doesn't stay in the garden. Because much more than Adam lost, he gives to us freely. He leaves the garden. He ascends into heaven and he pours out his spirit. Not only did he restore what Adam and Eve lost, no, much, much more. Not worthy to be compared. That is one of the better ways to say it. You and I are not living in Eden. We're living in heaven. We are living in Christ.
Therefore, there is now no condemnation for whom? For those who don't sin. No, 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 no. Read your Bible. Romans 8 and verse 1 says, For them who are somewhere. Not for them who do something or who don't do something. You see, do and don't do is, is, is God, it, it's, it's gardening. But it's the wrong tree. It's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You see, so they ate of what? The tree of knowledge and good and evil. Jesus restores good and evil by paying for our sins. But he isn't that tree. He is a different tree. He is the tree of life. So where Adam and Eve was guided out, I believe, to be protected from the tree of life. Because think about it. If they've eaten from the tree of life in that fallen state, they would live forever broken. But what Christ comes to do is he restores the fact that they've eaten of the wrong tree and he opens the door freely to the right tree, the tree of life. Not only does he restore good and evil, now he sheds out his life. Why the same spirit? Who did what? Who raised Christ from the dead. Think about if you the, if you're the devil. And you have Jesus in the grave. I think that was the most peaceful time on earth. Because every demon available, if I was the devil, I would have put every demon, every evil person, everyone I could influence to keep Jesus in the grave. Think about it, no? wasn't good enough. It wasn't even worthy to be compared. Think about that moment. I don't think the rock was rolled. I think it was shattered. No, I don't, because the Bible says it was rolled away. But I think it was like... <laughs> I'm not saying the Bible is wrong. Like, some of you would know your word and you would say, no, no, Peter got it wrong today. No, it was rolled away because that's how they found it. But think about it. Think about Jesus opening his eyes in that grave. For the joy set before him. Jesus had to have faith that he would be risen. Think about that. He was a man in every way tempted like you and I. And he prays in the garden. And he prays and says, Lord, if it will. Let this cup pass from me. But if not, I'll drink it. And the word says that he was heard. And if you read John, and you bring the two together, it says that angels came and ministered to him. I don't believe they brought bread and water. If you are so anxious, you don't have an appetite. Plus, he just had some great lamb. And two of the four cups, but that was Friday's message. Why did the angels come and minister? If you read the definition of angel, it's not someone with wings, it is messenger of God. I believe the angels came and reiterated prophecy. I believe the angel came and reiterated verses of scripture and said, One will come, arise and shine. For this reason you've come, so that the blind could see, the lame could walk, the deaf could hear. For this reason... I will take out the spirit of heaviness and I will give you the spirit of praise. You can go on and on and on and you can read all the testimonies. And I don't believe he read Psalm 22 about the suffering. 
I don't believe they reiterated Isaiah 53 to Jesus. I believe they reiterated Isaiah 60, Isaiah 61. Arise and shine, your time has come for this reason. Victory, why? Because David, the man after God's heart, does what? He goes and he fights a giant. And he says to everyone who will tell him, what does the winner get? And they, his brother's like, no, but you're going to die. And he's a man of war. And you're still youth. What, he's a man of war from his youth. And you're still youth. Shut up. What does the winner get? Oh, you wish you a few sheep. Shut up. What does the winner get? Why? For the joy set before him. He endured the cross. He despised the shame. And we see Jesus get up in such a way. He is anxious. He's fallen down. says he falls with his face to the ground. But after the angels minister to him, he's a man of faith. Because why? Faith comes by hearing. And not just hearing anything, hearing the good news. Jesus, you are about to bring victory for eternity. Oh, I don't want to. Jesus, you are about to bring forgiveness. Oh, but it's going to hurt. Jesus, much more than Adam and Eve lost, you are going to open the floodgates of heaven. And I think Jesus is sitting up a little. And they're giving him word. And they're giving him prophecy. And he stands up. And Judas arrives. And they say, where? He says, he says, Jesus says, who are you looking for? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. And he doesn't hide. He says, I am. And they fall to the ground. He was just fallen to the ground. But by reiterating the message of hope. By looking into me and your eyes on the other side of the cross. By seeing that what Adam and Eve lost is Kleingeld. It's small change in terms of what is being ushered in. He has such faith, such power, that the men, the soldiers, each and every one of them fall to the ground. That's why there is no greater love than this, that you lay down your life. Because Jesus wasn't murdered. He laid down. He waited for them to get up. He said, I thought you were here for me. Is this going to take long? <laughs> Peter wants to fight. and He says, no, 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 this is not it. And he even heals right there. He heals before the cross. Again, a teaching for another day. He heals what was lost. He is the one who declares us free from guilt and acceptable to God. Now let's end with Romans 6 and verse 1. It says, so what do we do then? Isn't that a great question? What do we do after Easter? Where do we go from here? Thank you so much, Uncle Charles. What do we do then? Do we persist in sin so that God's kindness and grace will increase? 
What a terrible thought. We have died to sin once and for all as a dead man passes away from this life. So how could we live under sin's rule a moment longer? Verse 3, Or have you forgotten that all of us who were immersed into union with Jesus, the Anointed One, were immersed into union with His death? You see, you no longer have a past. You have Jesus' past. Because you are no longer alive because you have died, but you have now risen. You were co-crucified with Christ because you are unified with Him. So His past is your past. His future is your future. That's why you were crucified with Him. You didn't feel the cross. Please don't. If you did it on Friday, let us come and pray for you. But He went to the cross. So now that is in your past. When you bring your ID to heaven, they're going to scan it. And it's going to say, Jesus Christ. Please come in. Oh, we thought you were here already. You were. <laughs> Ephesians 2 and verse 6 says you were seated there already. So Peter is not going to stand at some gate. Come on. You're in heaven already. What about my past? Well, there's a cross in your past. What about my sin? There's a cross in your past. You paid. You are free. You are innocent. So am I dead? Yes, you are. But it's no longer you that live. But Christ now lives in you. David says, wow, there's going to be a day where sin will not be imputed. And he gets lyrical about it and he writes psalms about it. You and I, we live in that day. The end of Hebrews 11 says there's perfection coming, which the fathers, the hearers of faith, did not attain because God ordained that they would not reach what? Perfection without us. Ooh, we have a problem with believing that because we look in the mirror and we see us. We look in the past and we see us. You need to look in the spiritual mirror. And see your past, which includes a cross which you didn't pay for. Which sees and includes a resurrection that you are a part of. That includes a Holy Spirit that rose Christ from the dead and now lives in you. You see, when you read the Bible, you're reading your story. If you are in Christ. Therefore, forget about Adam. Forget about Eve. Forget about the law. Because the law and the prophets all spoke about Christ anyway. Two Corinthians three says that or one Corinthians three says that where where people don't turn to Christ, the veil is not removed. That's the word that Marisa referred to as well. But if they turn to the Lord, the veil is removed. And it says actually that those who don't turn, they don't see Christ in the Old Testament. But when you turn to Him, the veil is removed and the Old Testament starts to bubble. It starts to breed. It starts to get exciting. It starts to be full of Christ. Some people ask me, how do you preach? I say, I just look for Jesus everywhere. I just look for Jesus everywhere because I know that He's there. Why? Not because I'm special. No, because I 
turn to the Lord. The veil is removed. And I look and I see He is there all along. It takes someone special. It takes the Holy Spirit. And He's freely given. He's freely available to each and every one of us. You see, there's no special people. There's just godly people. Those who have God and those without God. Those in Christ and those outside of Christ. He who has the Son has life. Zoe, God's kind of life. Eternal life. He who does not have the Son has the Easter Bunny. <laughs> Sorry, it was just a bit too serious that moment, wasn't it? Hey, this is a joyous occasion. Come on. <laughs> he who does not have the sun has the Easter bunny. Has not have life. It's, you'll have an uh, Easter egg as you leave. Just to show you that we're not hypocritical. But we have the sun. We have the risen Christ. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the good news. We have the power of God. Amen. We have the veil removed. Therefore the word is so exciting. And Jesus comes on the scene in Matthew 5. He says, even Moses wrote about me. They say, give us a sign. Oh, so fleshly. Huh? Give us a sign. He says, this generation will not get another sign except the sign of Jonah. Well, I thought Jonah's about a fish. He says, and like Jonah was hidden in the belly, so the Son of Man will be hidden in earth for three days. But after that, the resurrection, and with the resurrection, repentance, and with repentance, new life. So Jonah and Nineveh is prophetic about Christ and all of us. For three days he went into the belly, Woo, the preacher of righteousness, but he is no longer there. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.